Welcome to episode three of Booty and Bossy Eat Drink Knit. Today we'll be talking about Aunt Betty's famous dinner rolls and some great small knits in time for the holidays, plus memories of Christmas joy. So let's start <laughs> with Aunt Betty's rolls. Aunt Betty had this recipe for what she called refrigerator rolls. And they have been made in our house for Thanksgiving ever since. That was mid-70s. They're just fabulous. It just would not be the holidays without these rolls. They're kind of a sweet roll. There's some sugar in there. You want to activate your yeast, which we should talk about. Yeah, because I think a lot of people get scared of making their own bread because of the whole yeast thing. But proofing the yeast is just activating the yeast. And it's really not a big deal once you kind of get used to it. So, I I mean, I just use the package of yeast, Fleischmann's or Red Star, any of those are fine. You just put it in a small bowl with some sugar. The sugar helps to activate the yeast. Don't put salt in there because that will undermine that process. And then hot water. I usually just kind of stick my finger in the water coming out of the tap so that it's hot enough that I can keep my finger in there. It's not scalding, but definitely hotter than warm. If you want to be super accurate, you can use a candy thermometer and it's 105 to 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Too hot will kill your yeast, too cold, and it won't go anywhere. You will know instantly that the yeast is activated because it will smell yeasty and you'll see the yeast kind of rising up to the top and sort of bubbling. You just want to let it sit there for a few minutes just to activate it and you'll get that yeasty smell. And if you're not getting that, then probably the water is either too hot or too cold. You can try again. Fear of yeast proofing should not keep you from making your own bread. I think we just need to say that. For sure. While you're proofing your yeast, you can heat up a cup of milk with a third of a cup of butter and two teaspoons of salt. So once the butter is melted, again, you don't want to have your milk too hot because you're going to be adding that to the yeast and that'll kill the yeast. So once you add that to your yeast mixture, you're going to add an egg, a half a cup of sugar, And then five to six cups of flour. Basically, you're going to want to add enough flour so that if you're using a mixer, that it cleans the bowl. And then if if you don't have a mixer, put one on your wish list because they're great for bread. And if you have a dough hook, it needs itself. So about 10 minutes you're kneading it. You definitely, if you're going to use a mixer, which I always use a mixer, and I know they're not paying us, but a KitchenAid mixer, they should pay us. They should. Well, and I should say that I am known affectionately in our family as Bossy the Appliance Abuser because I have broken KitchenAid mixers, which I think takes a special talent. My brother claimed that I was <laughs> mixing cement in it. That was not actually the case. Yeah. So you, after you knead it, then you're going to let it rise. And that is where you have to have a lot of patience. Let it rise for I know, several we're starting hours. To, okay. So <laughs> it takes time and patience. 
which are virtues that we should all propagate. I'm thinking you could start a project, a knitting project while the dough is rising. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, you've got your dough rising. You've got two or three hours. You don't have to tell anybody that you're not standing over it doing something. You you just, you know, quietly get a little project started, maybe a little ornament or mitten or something. Yeah, that well, that is such a good point, though, because whenever you make your own bread or rolls, everybody acts like, oh, you made these? So it's worth the time and the patience. But it, like you said, Booty, it's really not that much time. It's, it's making the dough at the beginning, and that probably maybe takes 20, 25 minutes of sort of active time, you know, measuring stuff out, heating up the milk. I actually usually microwave it. I just melt the butter in the microwave, and then I add the milk and put it in there for another minute just to sort of get it warm. If you don't warm up the milk, it just means that it's probably going to rise a little bit more slowly. So if you want a quick Mm -hmm. rise, then keep the milk at around the same temp as the yeast. Yeah, then it's just sitting there rising, and then what do you do? And then you're going to form your rolls. You make your rolls, I would say, the size of an egg, if eggs were round. (laughs) Mm, That's good. A little bit bigger than a golf ball. And then you let that rise in the pan. So that is going to take another couple hours for it to rise. And you do want to grease your pan. With yeah, butter. I usually butter it. Yeah, you butter can use Pam. Pam, or use the Pam. cooking spray, not not the person, Pam, whoever that is. Yeah, <laughs> and then you're gonna bake it for 15 to 20 minutes on 400. I use my convection. Oh, right. you oven. Use your convection. The um, other thing you can do if you want to be fancy, if you want to be fancy, you can do a little egg wash. Just whip a little egg, mm-hmm. either egg white or or just the yolk and the egg, I usually add a little bit of water in there and brush it on. And then it's nice and shiny. Ooh, shiny. Shiny. Mm. And they're just so, so good. And you can slather on a lot of butter on them when they're hot. (laughs) Yes. There's nothing better than the smell of homemade roll dough. Yeah. So good. The recipe is very similar to if you looked up a Parker House roll. It's it doesn't have the same shape. I guess Parker House rolls are sort of you fold them over. These are just round. You do let them rise so that they're touching, so that the tops and the bottoms are have a nice crust and are crispy, but the sides are touching so that they're nice and soft too. They actually right. do make really good sandwich slider rolls the next day for Christmas dinner and you've got leftovers really good for little mini slider sandwiches the next day put some ham put some cranberry sauce those are my favorite things is ham cranberry sauce in the rolls oh <laughs> i know it's so good mm. you can also with the roll dough the same dough Make it the same way. Instead of forming it into dinner rolls, you can make cinnamon rolls. At that point where you would have formed the balls, you roll it with a rolling pin 
and you spread some, I would say about three tablespoons of cinnamon sugar. Three tablespoons? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it doesn't. Three tablespoons? What is that? That's too much. Is that too much? That seems, no, that seems very stingy, booty. Oh my God. <laughs> this is, you, okay, we have to time out here. Because, okay, here's the thing. So this reminds me of a point I wanted to make, which is several of my friends listen to the podcast, which I'd first like to say thank you very much. You're joining an elite rank of people that includes mom. She's Hi, mom. Other Hi, mom. <laughs> anyway, what everybody said when they listened is, oh, my God, I can't believe how similar you and Booty sound. Sometimes it's hard to tell you apart. So I want to explain why that is. The first reason is because we're sisters and mm. we share that genetic makeup. Yeah. The second reason is that Booty wants to be just like me because I'm the big yeah. bossy sister. She wants to be just like me. And I also raised her too. Not mom. Right. I raised her. <laughs> so that's the other reason. Mom knows but that. She would admit that readily because yeah. she was yeah. sleeping when Booty was growing up. She was in her office, which we called the junk room. <laughs> that was so Our mom is an artist and she spent a lot of time in her studio, which studio. we called the junk room. Her studio we were supposed office. to call it the studio, but we called it the junk room. And then she would say, it's my studio. And we would say, you mean your junk room? Really no terrible she... children. <laughs> no wonder she locked herself up in there. And then we would write notes and stick them under the door. Like, yeah. mom, 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 we're hungry. For and then we would also update her on current events. But they were never actually real current events. So it was things like Nixon was reelected. <laughs> <laughs> Something that we thought would get her out of the junk yeah. room. <laughs> it never worked. Her famous phrase was, mommy went to Denver. <laughs> yes. She was always yes. going to Denver. She was always yes. going to Denver. So Booty and I, we sound alike apparently. But this is a moment, and let it be noted, where we are really different. And here's the difference. Booty is a stingy baker. She's only going to put three tablespoons of cinnamon and sugar in her cinnamon rolls. Are you kidding me? Well, first of all, that she's even measuring. And then she's only going to put three tablespoons. I think that that is good. I mean, there's sugar in the dough. And then you put the cinnamon sugar. And here's what happens if you put too much cinnamon sugar. Then it just falls out of the dough. When you oh, that is true. Okay. And then that. you're going to frost them after you bake them. So there's more sugar on top. I think okay. if you can well, do it to your taste. If you want to put more, you can always put more. And then you can dot it with about a tablespoon of butter. But a stingy baker <laughs> strikes again. A tablespoon it- of butter. That's how much butter you use to butter the pan. Okay, oh. well, however much better. And you know what else I was going to add is I usually just make it with with cinnamon and sugar and butter, but more than what Booty said. But there are plenty of people who put raisins in 
you could put nuts in and roll them. So those would be other options. I love recipes where you can do a couple of things with them. And that's what I love. This is such a nice, yeasty, basic dough. It makes great dinner rolls. It makes great cinnamon rolls or cinnamon and raisin or cinnamon and nut rolls. It's flexible that way. And the quantity is good so that you can do kind of half of one and half the other. I usually make the rolls and I bake off the cinnamon rolls at the same time. And then the next morning for breakfast, I'll heat them up and then that's when I'll frost them. Do you want to tell about what frosting you use? So I use about, and I hope I'm not being stingy here, but mm, I use are. about a I'm cup. I'm kind of setting uh, you up for this. Yeah. <laughs> a cup of confectioner's sugar and then a quarter cup of cream. And that makes a pretty thick frosting. And then about a teaspoon of vanilla. Do we want to talk about vanilla? Yes. Booty and I are big fans of Ina Garden, the Barefoot Contessa. And I think that's where I read that she makes her own vanilla, which if you've bought vanilla recently, it's ridiculously expensive. I'm sure there's a reason for that. Anyway, what she has you do is basically buy a bunch of vanilla beans and stick them in a jar, you know, one of those nice jars that's got pop on. Okay, um, growler. Yeah. Like for beer. Yes. Or you and, can uh, use a screw chop lid. Yeah. Basically, yeah. you just throw a bunch of vanilla beans in a jar and then fill it up with vodka. Some people use bourbon, any kind of alcohol that doesn't have a strong taste. And you let it cure for about six months. Then you've got this great vat of vanilla. And when it starts to get a little bit low, you just top it off with more alcohol. You can also, I usually throw some other vanilla beans in there. I actually have a smaller jar that I use when I'm baking. And then when I that runs low, I put vanilla from the bigger jar in there and then I top off the bigger jar. So I'm never using vanilla that I've recently topped off, but it's a great thing. I also, a couple of years ago, I made it as a gift and gave a whole bunch of people little jars of homemade vanilla and it's fun. It's That's fun and it's gift. easy. Yeah. We'll put in some tips for places to get your vanilla beans in the show notes, how Ina does it. And of course, the more vanilla beans that you put in, the stronger it's going to be and the faster you're going to get to being able to use it. And you can use the vanilla beans that are in there. If you need a recipe that calls for the seeds, it calls for you to open up the pod so you can still use those. And then even put the pod back in your vat. So you yeah. have, you always have vanilla. Always have vanilla. That's very important. And it's funny that you mentioned that about the vanilla bean, because I used to see recipes and I would think, well, who has vanilla beans? Because if you go to Stop and Shop or whatever, they will sell you one bean for $8. And who's going to do that? But if you buy them, I think I bought a lot from Slow Food, and we'll put a link in. That's a good place. And usually they recommend vanilla from Madagascar. That's got a more of a traditional vanilla flavor. But I've gotten a mixture of Madagascar and Tahitian vanilla. I think they're both good or the mix is good. 
But it's true that once you've got this big jar full of vanilla beans, then it changes the way you look at recipes. And you're like, oh, yes, I have a vanilla bean because that's who I am. (laughs) Well, yes, I can open this up and make some flan or some wonderful How many vanilla beans do you need? You know, yes, I have 30. Yes. (laughs) You can never have too many vanilla beans. Yes. That's what I say. I think we should put that on our gravestones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and what are I you can... coming out of your junk room? Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to add that. So mom had her junk room. But then when we moved to another house, even when I was in high school, I recognized that she had her studio. And it was in between the kitchen and the laundry room. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. In the basement. It was in the basement (laughs) in between the kitchen and the laundry room. Like how sad and sort of representative of women's work is that? Yeah. That's very true. We love you, mom. (laughs) She's a Mm. fabulous botanical illustrator. Yeah. Oh, well, and we should say that vanilla, it comes from a kind of orchid. Yes, I went to a farm on Kauai that they hand pollinate their vanilla. And then that's why it costs $15 for one bean of vanilla. But it's a really interesting process. and It's elaborate. Yeah. Yeah. It is a wonder that we have any vanilla beans. And that's why we all want to hoard them. Because it's a wonder that we have any. Okay. So that is our recipe. So make these rolls. It's great for the holidays, but they're kind of a tradition in our family and everybody loves them. And actually, I pretty much whenever we go somewhere to friend's house or something like that, I usually end up being the one to bring the rolls. They're very special. Plus, it's kind of nice that you don't have to go out to buy rolls from a bakery. Like you can... Make them using stuff you probably have at home, but it does take a lot of time. Yeah, the only thing, you know, maybe yeast would be the only thing. All right. So today we are talking about some small projects that we've been working on. And we are getting to holiday time, the hectic time. And I think you can either make something very quickly with a big fat yarn on big fat needles or you can make something smaller. I do both. What I like about small objects that like little toys or decorations is that, so you're doing a little bit of knitting, which is always fun, but then you're stuffing them. And so all of a sudden, magically, they're a lot bigger. (laughs) Oh, that is true. Yeah. It does generally mean you're working in the round, which can be fiddly. What I was going to talk about were two projects. One is a little bird with a hat. Put a bird on it. Put a bird on it and then put a hat on the bird. Super cute, super fun little pattern from Arnie and Carlos. They have a whole book called The Field Guide to Knitted Birds. And they have so many different ideas in there. It's just a great, fun book. They're very funny. They're a couple... Arnie is Norwegian and Carlos is Swedish. Their creative base is their eclectic farm located north of Oslo 
in the Valdres region of Norway. And so their specialty is definitely Scandinavian designs. They have the wonderful bird, so you can do a little Scandinavian design on the bird if you want. And then they have these Christmas balls, and each year they come up with 24 new Christmas Mm. balls. So I knit the first one, day one. They also have these great YouTube videos. We'll put a link in that. So each day they're sharing a knitting tip. One of the things they said was that they recommend working on wooden double point needles because the yarn isn't as likely to slide around as it will on metal needles. They also had some tips for how to anchor it. It's not quite as fiddly. What I like to do is I like to use these flexi flips and they have these flexible cord in the middle and that so it's like a double point but then with a flexible cord in the middle and the nice thing is you can do half your stitches on one and half on the other and then you use the third needle to knit so you're not dealing with five double points you're only dealing with well two at a time. So I like those for that, even though they are slippery. So they are maybe a little more likely to slip off your needles. I have to say, I hate double pointed needles and I feel like I'm forever losing stitches and things like that. So those look like they could be good. Although I have to say, I never really used five. I would use four. Maybe that was part of the problem. Yeah, you can use, well, Arnie and Carlos like to use five, I think, because what they talk about is that you're doing a hashtag, like you're lining up your four needles oh. and as a square, or, and then you're using the fifth to, to knit around. I did always I wonder did. why they came in packs of five, but I figured it was because <laughs> you could lose one. Right. Okay. Well, that's true. I mean, you can definitely do it with, for. But the uh, the other tip was that, and, and I know this because I didn't do it, and it was a disaster. You want to put a marker in the middle of your stitches because these balls are four-sided. So if you don't put a marker in the middle, you're likely to mess up the pattern. It, it just keeps it. I do up. have to say, I know that I know they're balls, which are generally round. They, they do look a little square to me. Yeah, that's okay. Well, also, I think I didn't stuff it. Yeah, (laughs) they are four-sided balls. Use your imagination. They also talk about that you should really block them after you're done, which I have not done. Now, can I ask you, how long did that ball take you? The ball probably takes about a day. So for me, that would be maybe four, four or five hours. I might be underestimating. And you are working with two colors in the middle. So at least it's not three. I'm definitely holding one strand of yarn in in my right hand and one in the left. So that's always... Yeah, I haven't really gotten to be able to do that yet. Well, and it's funny because I can't seem to knit with just the strand in my left hand. I can't be a continental knitter. My tension is just way off. But I can do it with two strands. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why. But anyway. I think these guys, first of all, I just love that there are two men in Norway writing knitting books about birds and Christmas balls. 
And <laughs> if you look at the picture of them, they really do look like the Norwegian sort of Burton Ernie of knitting. It's just, yes. it's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. They just seem like really, really nice guys and super yeah. fun. And very talented. Yes. But, um, yes. So, Bossy, what are you working on? Our listeners, or should I say our listener, which would be mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. Might recall <laughs> that in an earlier episode, I was knitting a baby blanket. And Booty had made this adorable little bunny. And I had tried to get her to knit me a bunny. My suggestion was that I would send her the leftover yarn from my baby blanket because there are five colors in the baby blanket. And they were grays, sort of graduated colors of gray, and then a, a lighter teal and a darker teal. So I failed to convince her that she should make the bunny for me. And so I was forced to make my own bunny and I'll put a picture up, but I have to say this was totally fun. And it was the same pattern that Booty had, had provided. I did not crochet the head because I actually thought the head came out. Okay. I remember you were, you didn't like it. They, they have this pattern has a couple of different options for the face that you can do a little patch around the eye or you can, yeah. But so I, I pick Dutch bunny. It was kind of perfect because all the yarn that I was using, I used the teal for the sweater was all the same weight. It was a worsted weight. And I think I used it with size three needles. But the great thing about using was that it's all kind of in proportion and I'd mixed and matched. I made one dark ear and one light ear and stuff like that. And I love the little tail in the back. He made a, a much fluffier tail than my. <laughs> yeah, I, I had some white Angora. I do have to say that if you will let us just count how many. So there's two ears, one head, one body. Okay, so we're up to four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine with yeah. the bunny butt. So there's nine pieces. Now this, unlike the Christmas balls, it's not knit in the round, it's knit flat. And one thing that I did learn about that that I had never done before was she said to sort of steam each piece flat and that, that worked out really well. I was surprised mm. about that. But what that means when you're knitting it flat is that there's a lot of stitching. And right. I have to say, it took me an entire, we were going down to visit my son in Philadelphia. So that's like, well, when normal people drive, it's six hours. When my husband drives, it's about four and a half. So I had four and a half hours to put together this bunny. And it took the whole time. I mean, I had knit all of the pieces and then I was just kind of stitching them together and stuffing. Yeah. So it took a while, but I really liked too. I thought that the way the sweater is put together is kind of genius. You start each section I and mean, you kind of knit the bottom, but you keep them all on the same needle. And then when you've got four, you know, front, back, and both the arms, then you knit them all together and do the decrease stitching with what is this little thing called? I forget. Center it, double decrease. I'd never yeah, done that. It's, it's not CBD. And it's not STD. <laughs> it's neither of those. But mm. it's a cool, I, I loved 
learning that. So that was a cool thing because, you know, I like things where I learn a little new thing. So I, I had yes. never done that center double decrease. So I like that. I think it came out really cute. And I think this is the perfect add-on if you're making a baby blanket to make a little matching bunny. So I thought that was so great. I mean, how cute would that be sticking out of a stocking? Mm, yeah. Just well, I just think it it's because there's the baby blanket, but then the matching bunny, it's just, and it never would have occurred to me. So thank you, Booty, <laughs> for opening up this option of, because I'd actually never made a toy before either. So uh, that's so. not true. We talked about in the first episode. I mean, you sewed. Oh, I sewed the toy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so this was a totally great. I think I might make another bunny for somebody. Some bunny. Yeah. Some bunny. And it's not hard. It's just a lot of little pieces. And now Toby is trying to eat it. Well, and I agree with you about the the sweater was just genius that she you know you've got all these stitches and you're thinking there's no way for one thing it seems like way too many stitches like that's going to be huge but then when you sew it up it's all magically a sweater because you you knit from the bottom up and i wonder if that's do people knit people sweaters using that technique there's actually people that will knit a little tiny sweater as a swatch just to practice the techniques or whatever it is. I mean, I know people, speaking of small projects, they use those tiny sweaters as ornaments and very cute. Oh, yeah. That would be very cute. Yeah. 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 Put the year or something on there. Okay. And we were going to talk about... Oh, yes. My other sort of Christmassy thing is it's about how to use sweaters that have, have reached the end of their sweater life. This is an upcycling idea. I had actually seen these, some Christmas stockings a number of years ago in some store. I don't even remember. Basically, so I'll put a picture in the notes, but I had this old sweater that it was a ski sweater from the 70s. I remembered my dad getting it, our dad, getting it for Christmas one year. He was a big skier, grew up in Colorado, skied, skated hunted, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) What do you do with your dad's ski sweater that you remember? I remember him wearing it. I remember he had not only the sweater, but he had, I think it was a whole outfit that his parents had given him, my grandma and grandpa. He had these wide whale corduroy ski knickers that went with the sweater. They didn't go all the way down. They just sort of fastened below the knee. Right. You know, that was like his sort of ski winter outfit that his parents gave him one year. I didn't want to get rid of it because I had many fond memories of him wearing this whole outfit. So what I ended up doing was cutting it up into stockings. Basically, what you can do is cut a, a cute little sort of elfy stocking shape that's got the sort of curled toe. And you sew the two pieces together and then you put it in the wash and it felts it. It's hard to sew it after it's felted. So you cut out the pieces from the sweater just as it is. And then it felts. And then you do a blanket stitch around the edge. So I made, I guess I made four. 
I think I have a very small one for me, but I made a stocking for you. I know I made one for Melissa and I made one for Darren and I think I made one for mom so that everybody would have a little bit of dad's Christmas sweater. As a it, it, yeah, it was such a great gift for all of us. It was a big surprise. And, but also you wrote a letter with it. I'm sure oh, I still I did? have the letter. Yeah. Oh. We'll see if we can find it. Otherwise you have to rewrite it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please find it. <laughs> when you talked, you talked about how dad came out wearing his outfit. Our dad was pretty silly and pleased with himself, you know, in his brand new ski outfit. The sweater was brown and orange. It was brown and orange and white. I remember like the ribbing around the bottom or maybe the sleeves was white, but it was and so kind of vintage 70s colors, early 70s. Fall, fall color. Yes. Yeah, exactly. 70s colors. And somehow you managed to make it look very Christmassy and you used a, a red yarn for the yarn. blanket stitch. Yeah. It's definitely one of the highlights of our decorating is getting out dad's Christmas stocking. My sister-in-law and I, we made a whole bunch of them one year too out of old sweaters. It's a really fun project. It's pretty quick because you're just kind of cutting it out. Basically the felting just covers everything up and then you got to do the blanket stitch around, but it really doesn't take that long. I think I put a pom-pom mm-hmm. on the, just so that you'd have something to hang it. I remember it, make, making a couple stockings that were still wet on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I was trying to <laughs> block the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but if you have a like a favorite sweater or something like that, you know, especially something that's sort of Christmassy, or even if it's just a basic color like white, you know, you you can do the blanket stitching in red. Or actually, one year I think I made I took some red and made like uh, from another sweater and sewed some snowflakes on it, snowflake designs on it, and then you you throw it in the wash and you hope everything doesn't come out pink. Or you could embroider if you wanted so even if you just have a plain sweater you could embroider on it and if I, if you were going to embroider on it i'd probably felt it first and then embroider it and i think i have also one that you embroidered uh, that's very small i'll put a picture of that too so i think it must have been part of dad's was i supposed to give that to mom <laughs> was that- oh my god you didn't give it to mom why do i have to <laughs> <laughs> sorry mom and also, don't do what Bossy did, and you embroidered through both. <laughs> oh, <laughs> both I do that? Can't actually open the stocking, but that's okay because it's really just a decorative piece. It's decorative, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that that's the the frantic crafting. <laughs> like, oh, I have this great idea, but it's December twenty first, and I have yeah. to mail it. You know, and everything. Yeah, but we've decided that. We don't worry about things getting there on time. Gets there when well, it gets I'm there. definitely engaged in frantic pre-Christmas knitting and also stealth knitting, like sneak knitting. Mm. That's the yes. other. I have not been successful. Are you making but, something for Thomas too? 
Well, that's my it's, plan. After I finish the other, the sneak knit, then there'll be another sneak knit. Maybe like <laughs> matching sneak knits. Sorry, we're being so cryptic. Like <laughs> you can't be too careful. Yes. As grandma used to say, little pitchers have big ears. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure that our children are listening to this. They're just yeah. riveted um, to the speaker. <laughs> Ungrateful well, no, children no. again. Yeah. <laughs> Find out back to are. that theme. <laughs> yeah. But. Okay. Well, that's it for our projects. I think we have some good small things that you can do if you're in a time crunch and don't feel like you have to do anything. That's what yeah. I say. I, my favorite time to craft is actually after Christmas because I feel like I have leisure and time. And there's this weird motivation. Like I think, well, maybe if I start now, I'll be ready by next Christmas. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Or you can knit something for yourself. That's what I do in January. If That's I'm not true. Fi- if I'm not finishing all the projects that I didn't finish. <laughs> Somebody is probably getting, it was a half of a sweater, and I'm thinking now it might be a quarter of a sweater. Mm. It might be a swatch. Here's a swatch. swatch. (laughs) Maybe you could do that miniature sweater. Say, this is a miniature version of what you'll get in June. You know, when it's really, you know, balmy. And so, whatever you do, don't Don't knit like my sister. sister. Thank you for listening. (laughs) You can find more information (laughs) at bootyandbossy.com.